You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is all about the moment. It is all about right now. And Frankie Montas, what is he going to give the A's today? Frankie Montas has been ace-like. I think there's no question about it. His last 13 starts, he's 5-2 with a 2.33 ERA. And we're getting down to the last games of the season. You got to win every single game. It is crazy to think how this thing is ending right now. Because the one team that is seizing the moment is is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Oakland Athletics, if you think about what, what has happened with the A's, they were 17.3% chance to, to make the playoffs. And then they go back-to-back losses to the Texas Rangers, and they dropped a 5.1% chance to make the playoffs. And what you have in front of you are teams that are under 500. You got Kansas City, and you got the Angels. Tell me what the A's record is going to be on Sunday night after the Angels game, and then we'll see if they have a shot. Because you're going to have four with the Mariners, three with the Astros. It's the last homestand of the season. And then you're going to have three and three on the road against Seattle and Houston. So the way the schedule lines up, it keeps the A's in it. It's a reality. But how are they going to play? How are you going to play in Kansas City? How are you going to play in Anaheim? And they'll tell you whether I'm optimistic or not for the rest of the season. Commander, these next few games against Kansas City and Anaheim, they're under 500. They're done. Their seasons are over. But how are you going to play against them will determine whether you have a shot in the last week. Uh, couldn't agree with you more. The A's record versus five teams that are uh, 500 or, or less, so teams that stink, uh, 49 and 22. A's record versus teams that are 500 or better, 28 and 44. That's a huge disparity in wins and losses between the two differences in opponents. So you got to win these games. Hey, hey, lo- losing two out of three to Texas at home at this time of the year is a really bad look. Uh, especially when you blow a four-run lead on Saturday. Really bad luck. 
Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, it is, and you're right. And the Royals are playing for next year. Uh, they're building. Uh, I wouldn't say they're building a bully, but they're building something in Kansas City. Uh, they they have a guy that if it wasn't for Shohei Otani and a guy going for the Triple Crown, uh, Salvador Perez might be the MVP. So we're gonna get to see him play. So that I guess that's exciting because there's not a lot of guys besides our guy Whit Merrifield that you're like, oh my god, I gotta watch him play for the Royals. Two hit Whit, but you gotta you gotta win these games. Frankie Montas pitching tonight. He's in the top ten among qualified starters in ERA and K per nine since July. That's a two two five ERA, and he's averaging ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. You know, four of his 28 starts this year, I went back and looked, four of his 28 starts so far this year, he's only, whereas where he's given up four runs or more. So every other start, three runs or less. That's how good he's been. And he's only given up four home runs since July 2nd. Where the long ball was killing him earlier in the year, since July 2nd, he's been unbelievable not giving up home runs. He's given up four. So you need him to, I don't want to hear you go, this is the biggest start of Frankie Montas' Montas career, but it this might the be. the biggest start of Frankie Montas' career. No matter what you want to say, every game, I mean, every single game, every single moment from here on out, these guys, for the most part, have not played something that means this much. You're trying to get to the postseason. Acevedo has been called up from AAA. Bert Smith has been uh, sent out. I mean, it's like, who can help? Like, like Frankie Montas, it's it's almost like you got to ride him and can't say it enough. Like, I don't want to see handshakes in the seventh. I want to see Frankie Montas go at least eight innings and then bring Chafin in or whoever you deem as the best reliever. But the best reliever today is Frankie Montas. And that's getting through eight innings. And everybody's watching the scoreboard. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. A couple days ago, Toronto was not the number one team in the wild card. They are not, they're now the number one team in the wild card. No one's catching Tampa in the East. But the same five teams continue to hang around. It's Toronto, it's Boston, it's New York, it's A's, and it's Seattle. Same teams. Now, the math changes on a day-to-day basis of where you are, but the same teams hasn't changed. And now Toronto, because they're the one that is actually seizing the moment, they're the number one team in the wild card. If the season ended today, the wild card game would be at the Rogers Center. And the Red Sox still have the COVID outbreak and still have their problems. Yankees continue to not be very good. And let's be honest, neither the A's. It's not like we've been very good lately. The Mariners have won, but they're not great. So it's like, who is going to, you know, it's basically everybody's got around 20 games left. Who's going to be the two teams that make it happen? And oh, by the way, it's not like in the National League. You look at the National League, that last wild card game is up for grabs. The Padres have been terrible lately. And they've left Cincinnati, St. Louis, Philadelphia, uh, what, New York, 
I would say, wouldn't you say, Cody, those are the only teams that are left that have a shot? Yeah, essentially. And the Cardinals are the shocker to me. I mean, they're a half game out right now, and everyone wrote them off for dead. And the team that's, you know, you mentioned Frankie Montosco in seven innings, and you want to see handshakes. I want to see eight innings. You want to see eight innings? Uh, let me let me just let me pull it up because I was looking at it earlier. I'm going to pull it up again and just just want to double check and just you know, make sure my I got my facts right. Who's second in the National League in innings pitched this year? Zach Wheeler's number one. Who's number two? A starter. It's a starter. Yeah. The the aforementioned Cardinals and 40-year-old Adam Wainwright has 190 and a third innings pitched. Adam Wainwright is second? Yeah, he's second with 190 and a third innings pitched. He's an ERA under under three. Coming back next year, by the way, Adam Wainwright. Yeah, so is Yadi Molina. But we got guys that can't go go four innings. Uh, We got guys on our our team right now that are like, oh, he's pitched 20 times and he's now tired. Adam Wainwright is Tom Brady. Essentially. I mean, it's that's what he is right now. I mean, I looked at the A's leader. The A's leader in, in innings pitch, now, now that Chris Bassett is out, because uh, what he would be up there. He was at 150, oh, over 150 innings when he got injured. Uh, it's Frankie Montas at 160, over 160 innings. Uh, Wainwright has 30 more innings, and he's 40 years old. But he's tired. God, I hear that tired stuff. It drives me nuts. By the way, Frankie Montas is taking the ball. I mean, uh, Sean is taking the ball every time. Yeah, those are the two guys. I mean, they're both going deep. And, you know, we'll give, we'll take, I'll take you guys, take everyone inside a little bit. We're doing a uh, top 10 list tomorrow with David Feldman. Uh, top 10 strikeout uh, pitchers in Oakland A's history because I wanted to tie them for what Manai and Montas are doing this year. But, I mean, what they are doing is great, but. I mean, it'd be better if the team was winning more, but they're still in it, so you can't really discount it all right now. But still, I don't know if I like this list. The, the the Wainwright thing, though, it just blew my mind when I saw that. Did he second in innings pitch, and he's 40 years old? It, it, it is the state of the game, and it's kind of sad. I mean, I think about what we saw the other night, San Jose Giants against the Stockton Ports, and you got a guy out there cruising, and they take him out in the fourth inning. And I looked at you, and I'm like, why are they taking him out? Uh, and then uh, right field Will told us, because he's watching these games, being a PA guy down there for the ports, going, oh, this happens every game. Like, I'm cruising, I'm doing well, and you take me out with what? I you know he pitches the guy had. I mean, we we weren't charting it obviously, but it was like, what? He's sixty pitches and he's gone. Well, I'll give you one better. Uh, Corbin Burns had a no hitter going on Saturday. He got through eight innings and they said, "No, nah, we're done." I would have punched my. I would have punched the manager. Yeah, literally, yeah. I have a no hitter and you're taking me out. I would punch the manager. Uh, that's he won eight innings, had 115 pitches. He got pulled. Air. They could no. They they finished the no hitter, combined no hitter. How many pitches did Josh Hader throw in the ninth inning? This guy. I don't care. He threw nine. You're telling me Corbin Burns going to throw nine more pitches? If I have a no hitter and you're taking me out of the game, those are fighting words. You know what? That's on the starters, by the way. To me, a manager can say I'm going to take you out, but as a player, you got to say no. You're not. Wouldn't you say that's on the player? 
They can have their data. They can have whatever they want. But I am a star pitcher. Because that's like, then trade me. Then obviously you can't get traded right now. But you, like front office has pull, obviously. But they only have so much pull over a star player. If you're a star player and you go, no, I'm not, I'm walking back out there. I'm going to make you have to walk out with me and take me out in front of everybody. And this is going to be on MLB Network. This is going to be on ESPN. I, I, I'm i not, yeah, I'm going to show you up. I'm not. Do you think a manager would, would, would go out with the player and force him to leave the game? I'm not buying that. That's where your whole Jacob DeGrom that you've thrown at me for all this time when he's basically six innings and dive. If you really were that guy and said, you know what? I'm walking out there. If you want to walk out and take me out, that's going to be in front of the entire sports world. I'm not, I am not allowing you to take me out of a no hitter. Wouldn't you agree? No, I agree. Because sorry, and I pulled up. I'm going back to Adam Wainwright again because he has 190 innings pitched at age 40. Here are just a few of Adam Wainwright's last few starts. We'll go back to August first. Seven innings, seven innings, an 88 pitch complete game. I would say an 88 pitch shutout against the Pirates. Uh, then he went six innings. Then he went eight innings, seven innings, six and a third, eight and a third, six innings. And uh, his pitch count was nowhere near 115. The most pitches he threw in that span, 106, and that was over eight innings. This is a guy that's 40. He's not complaining. I don't think he's complaining about pitches. Is he tired? Uh, not that I've seen. Although he he did throw out a great quote last night, by the way, because they played the Mets. He met, he remembered a sequence with the bases loaded, because they had the bases loaded last night, against Beltron in the playoffs in, oh, in 2006. He, did the, he threw the exact same sequence to the Mets hitter last night that he threw to Beltron where he struck him out in the playoffs. He did the same thing last night, and then he mentioned it in his postgame. He goes, I figured Mets fans wanted to see it once again. This is a guy that's 40. He's 40. He's 40. Gonna he's be 41 older than you are, Cody. Yeah, by 10 years almost. Yeah, he's older than you are. He's not tired. Yeah, he'll be 41, and he just turned 40 15 days ago. So he'll be 41 next year. Yeah, if you're tired right now, and you're in your 20s, I'm going to tell you right now, you're soft. I don't care what. I don't care what you rehabbed. I don't care what surgery you had. I don't care. You're fighting for the postseason, and you're telling me you pitched X amount of times or you've hit X amount of times, and you're tired? That's soft. It is what it is. When I'm watching Tom Brady at 44 years old, having the biggest, strongest, fastest human beings trying to knock him out. And he is, I guarantee you, Tom will play over 20 times this year. Tampa will be in the postseason, and they're going to make a run at the Super Bowl. And you're telling me as a 20-something, you can't start 20 times without being tired, and you only play once every five days? Once every five days? Suck it up, Buttercup. I mean, I mean, come on. Uh, are you ready for me to call? Are you? Hey, hey, the excuses that people make for athletes is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Let's. Uh, 
I don't want to hear if you're in the bullpen, you're tired. I don't want to hear if you've started 20 times and, oh, we had COVID last year. Nobody cares. Ask the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you think anybody on the Toronto Blue Jays feels sorry for you right now? Nope. And you know what they're doing? They're winning. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to call the, the Wonder Dog. I'm sure he'll have, a, he'll have a good – maybe he might have a good take on this. You think he was ever tired? The Hud Man. That's my guy. I love this guy. Fresno's own. Yeah. Do you remember the team that he came up with? Uh, was, it, was it the Yankees? It was the New York Yankees. His first couple of years in baseball were in the Bronx. What do you want to do? Um, I'll try him again. But uh, by the way, the Mets that new that Mets thirty for thirty is coming out tonight. The one uh, the one night in Queens or one year in Queens. I forget what the name of it is, but on the eighty six Mets. So that'll be interesting. On the great Billy Bean. Uh, I don't. Billy wasn't on that team. I don't think. Daryl Strawberry was though. Okay, let's make sure I have the right number. We'll call him again. We'll see. Billy Bean's stories about those guys. of all time. Hud man, it's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How are you? Oh, what a question, sir. I'm sitting here at the ballpark watching your team take the field, take a little batting practice. I got to see my old roommate, Mike Aldretti, the doughboy, <laughs> and Cot Bay, my buddies. Man, are you kidding? I'm just kind of letting my blood pressure come down as we speak. No one fires me up for baseball more than you do. You are the best, my friend. Oh, let's just turn it on. Let's give it up to the people. You know, when I think about Kansas City baseball and Salvador Perez, uh, what a year. This is literally, you think about George Brett, you think about Bo Jackson, you think about Steve Balboni, you think about guys that have monster years in the history of Kansas City. This is truly one of the greatest years, and I, and I know he's not going to win MVP, but man, I don't. We'll give Shohei Otani all the love, but Salvi Perez is having one of the best years I think as you has ever seen being in this game a long time. Oh, you know, just the wear and tear too. Watching Salvi every night take the foul tips, you know, like those guys do. It's amazing that he just shakes it off so quickly and ho hum goes on to the next pitch. You know, I tell you, being the designated hitter this year has been big for him. Mike Matheny, former catcher, had multiple concussions in his career, uh, knows exactly what Salvi's going through. And so in order to protect him and keep him fresh, he's been able to DH him, and Salvi's okay with that. Salvador Perez has the passion of a young child playing the grand game. And so he would play every game if they'd let him, but you got to just, you know, he's got to just take half a day off. That's helped him a lot. But he's had, he's blocked more balls in the dirt than any other catcher, it's because the first half of the season, we had pitchers that were clueless. They were bouncing balls all over the place. We led the league in walks, but now it's changed a little bit. Salvador Perez is coming into his own, and the fans that come to Coppin Stadium here are coming to watch Salvi hit homers. Yeah, I- I'm thinking about when you're chasing Johnny Bench's records, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it is, and he knows all those things, too. Um, he's very aware of the history, which is great to hear. A lot of the modern-day young players, you know, some of them, you, you bring up a name around them, you know, a famous name, and they'll go, huh, I don't know him. So, but Salvador Perez, he knows all of those. And I remember one time when I, when I introduced him to Rick Dempsey, my buddy and former teammate with the, with the Orioles, and I said, um, Salvi, this guy caught 23 seasons in the big leagues. And Salvi just freaked out. 
and he almost you know wanted to shine his shoes for him. He wanted to he wanted to hug him, and you know he he just it, it, he was in awe of that type of grind. So he's in for it, man. He's in to win. He's pumped. The biggest thing he has now is he's just a little bit over anxious and he's chasing some. You know, we wait not too long ago we had Rick on the program, and obviously one of the great catchers and broadcasters of his time. And you know, we were, we were laughing, you know, before we called you talking about how there there there's been this narrative that oh my God, some of these guys are tired. And I'm like, Tom Brady's 44 years old playing in the NFL. I'm like, the HUD man. Would you be tired in a pennant race? I can't even imagine you you coming to the ballpark saying I was tired. Oh, absolutely not. I would tell the guys, fellas, look, you got the whole winter to sleep. Shake yourself. Then we're going to do something tonight that, that somebody's never seen before. And and there's going to be a fan that comes to this game tonight that's never watched you play before. What kind of what, – what, what's the impression you're going to leave that, that young kid? And that young kid, if you hustle and play hard – he might go to the playground and say your name and be you. So there's so many other things that are attached to it. And once, once you start figuring that out as a player, and, and you know the, the game has healing powers as you take batting practices. There's no one in the stands. And that ache and pain that you woke up with saying, I don't know if I can go today, it quickly is erased as the grand game has super healing powers. Believe that. What was it like when you first came up and you're a New York Yankee? Obviously, you're, you're a kid from the Central Valley. You're from California. But now you're on the biggest stage that there is in sports. Well, they, I, had to get, I had to get through all of these surfer jokes. Because, you know, if you're from California and you're in New York City, you're stereotyped as having a surfboard. So I went ahead and just rolled with it. And I just say, hey, look, just stay on the board, man. Just stay on the board. And it was not easy. I'd walk into the ballpark, and, of course, Willie Randolph, the great Yankee captain, was ahead of me. And so I'd walk into the ballpark, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was 200 people out in front of the stadium. And so I'd walk in, and fans would be going, yo, Hudler, you'll never take Randolph's job. You're a bum. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. Hey, fans, take a time out. I'm on Willie's team, and I'm supporting Willie, and I'm backing him up. I don't want his job. I never would say that, of course. I was too scared to death. But, man, I couldn't believe the passion with the people. And then they gave me number 56. And at that particular time was when Lawrence Taylor was a god for the Giants. And so I would run on the field and the, the fans would go, yo, LT, LT. And I, I'd wave <laughs> like I was Lawrence Taylor. Man, I, I absolutely ate it up. But, but to tell you, the one, the, the, one of the biggest impressions, my first day in the big leagues, Joe Cowley, and I went went uh, driving in the city, and, and I got out of my I got out of his car, and I got up on the curb, and I looked in the window at some restaurant, and the guy was staring at me, and he was saying my name. He knew my name, and I'm going, oh my gosh, here we are, some random just pulls up in front of somebody, and this guy knows who I am. I mean, it just it freaks me out. Yeah, you think about it, you grew up like three hours from the ocean. Yeah, Fresno, right in the middle. You know, you can you can uh, live in Fresno. You can uh, you can surf on one day and ski in the same day, man. Too, you know. So, and I've done that before. But uh, you know, Central San Joaquin Valley, beautiful place. Loved Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum. You know, coming there to the day on the green, Peter Frampton, Carlos uh, Santana, uh, Leonard Skinner. I mean, that's how I was raised. And we would come up three hours to the Bay Area and sit there and get baked in the sun and watch that. I was a young teenager, man. Just really love that Coliseum. Every time I'm in it, I tremble when I get in the ballpark. I love it. I hope I hope they keep it there forever. You know, Bob Melvin has that poster in his office 
day on the green. You guys are about the same age. I don't know how well you know Bob Melvin, but you two big leaguers were probably at the same concert at the same time as kids. Oh, probably were. And you know what? So then we came up against each other in the A-ball. He played in Alabama. And I, and I, I remember I, how I knew him was that he had a red Porsche, one of those new Porsches that were out. Um, and, and, and it was a new Porsche, and it was parked underneath the bleachers, uh, you know, in its own little parking place. And so I had to find out who that was, and it was Bo Mills, and I asked him about that all the time, and he laughed about that Porsche. But, you know, I'm really proud of him. Um, he was a good catcher. You know, he had a nice major league career, but, man, his managerial skills are through the roof. And watching these guys the first day, I'll get a chance to go down and see him tomorrow, but I really do appreciate how these guys have evolved in their careers. You know, Aldo and, and Kotze, now they were on one side of the ball. Now they're on the teaching side and the mentoring side. And to me, that's a plus for the future major leaguers that are on Oakland A's team. You know, you think about, like, you, you know, talk about these guys, especially Bob Melvin, where, where you watch their – careers evolve and not everybody's a star player not everybody's going to be a hall of famer but just talk about when you watch guys in their careers as they go from players to coaches to managers just how special that is to watch guys be so successful yeah you know there's that's a huge reward too and you know even being a broadcaster going down and introducing myself to some of our new players you know, I'm not afraid to say, hey, look, I played 10 years in the minors and 10 years in the majors. And I just want you to know that I'm not just some some voice up there talking, talking out my backside. This is this is uh, something that's passionate to me. And I got my time in. Now, my job as a broadcaster is to, is to enhance your look, how you are, say good things about you so you can get your 10 years in. It's all about you now, young man. So go ahead and get it and attack it. You know, when I think about your career, I mean, watching you play was every day you brought it. It didn't matter what the score was. It didn't matter what the standings were. Just talk about how you played and how someone, you know, a young kid could learn from someone like you to be able to stay in the big leagues as long as you were. Let me tell you, I was blessed to come from one of the greatest high school baseball coaches to ever coach in the Central San Joaquin Valley. Mike Noakes, former Golden Bear himself uh, as a player. And he went on and became a great amateur coach. I had him as, uh, all, all four years through high school, and he taught me the fundamentals like no one else could. And he taught me one thing. Son, you need to, you need to pretend like, that, like you haven't eaten in a week in first base. And there's a big lunch bucket for you at first. And you go down there and hustle and go get that. You play the game the way that it's supposed to be played, and you'll never have anybody doubt your ability at all. So I learned how to hustle and play hard and, and give the credit to the people, especially the paying fans. Once I turned pro, man, I would get so excited when there would be a, a 200 people, but then let alone 56,000 in Yankee Stadium. Uh, I couldn't help it. I, I remember making an out in Yankee Stadium, and I ran down the line, and, and, and I come back into the dugout there on the first base side in old Yankee Stadium, and the crowd was cheering. And I got in the dugout and I said, what are they cheering for? I made it out. They said they, they don't see people hustle like that. And so I just really was addicted to hustling and playing hard and uh, priding myself on a pop-up to be at second base when that, when that ball was caught. And, you know, I learned that you can control two things as a ball player, your attitude and your output. Those are the only two things you can control. And if you have any ability at all, you might can, you control those two. You got a pretty good chance. I'm so grateful that I was able to play for the teams I played for, and they 
they were able to stomach me and and i just really am i'm a blessing or i'm I'm, excuse me i'm a byproduct of a great sport that was taught well i was taught well by some of the coaches that i had you know it's been a while since we've been able to travel but uh i've been very fortunate over my career working for the a's working for the raiders coming to kansas city and it's always been hilarious how snobby people are in Kansas City about barbecue. Because, like, every place you go to, you go, this is one of the best meals I've ever had. Uh, as a guy from California and a guy who's traveled a lot throughout the country, uh, Kansas City barbecue, there's no better place. The top shelf, no doubt about it. Just had some friends come in from Orange County to, to, to uh, go to the Chiefs game with me this past weekend when we, when we uh, humbled uh, uh, the Browns. And they were blown away by how tender the meat was, the, the taste of the barbecue. And they were wanting to eat sushi. And I said, man, are you kidding me? Where you're from in California, you, you, get, your, you get your sushi. You're here. We're eating barbecue. Q39 is one of my favorites. I'll do Jack Stack. I'll do any of them. Are you kidding? They all compete with each other. But really, we're one big friendly town. And we can't wait to be building a championship a baseball team again and let the people and the passion show the love for the game here in Kansas City. we got a starting rotation that's coming. They're all 25 years and younger, and they're all in place now. We, they're, they're taking their lumps right now, but another year or so, watch out. The Royals will be prominent again. I'm glad you bring up Jack Stass because with the Raiders, we would always stay across the street. And on the other on the other side was the World War One Museum. And when we go to Jack Stack, people go like, Jack Stack, I'm like, that's one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. It was like amazing how yeah, people, yeah. They, they were like, well, if you don't go to Gates and you go to Kansas City Joe's, you're like, what? Jack Stack? Like, everybody, like every place you go is the best barbecue you've ever had. Yeah, so you can't lose. And the matter of fact, man, I'm just getting so excited talking ball, talking about Kansas City with you here and, and looking forward to the future. Hey, watch for our middle infield core, man. With, with, with uh, Merrifield and Nikki Lopez, and they lead the league in double plays, sir, and they've been a lot of fun. Michael A. Taylor leads the, the all center fielders in baseball with defensive run saved and outfield assist. So we got some pretty good uh, players here, and we can't wait till Bobby Witt Jr. shows up to enhance our uh, our offensive production side. Got some good pieces in the bullpen coming. We have a great manager in Mike Matheny who's been there and done it with the Cardinals. Uh, very motivating, very passionate, uh, man of integrity. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun here, as a matter of fact. Today, the news came out that Dayton Moore's position, our GM, is taking a higher position in the organization and, and promoting J.J. Piccolo, who was underneath him for the last uh, 15, 20 years. So our team really got even stronger today. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I know you got to go, but Dayton Moore, you know, when you look at like Billy Bean and you look at Cashman in New York, I mean, Dayton Moore. You know, sometimes you got to do more with less, and I have a lot of respect for him. Just talk about him on your way out here. What a special executive as a World Series champion, and I've said it before, if it wasn't for Madison Bumgarner, this guy might have two World Series rings with the, with, with the uh, Kansas City Royals. Oh, you got that right. That was an unbelievable feat by Bumgarner. But, you know, Dayton Moore, I know him. When I got here 10 years ago as a broadcaster, uh, they were desperate, obviously, but they hired me, and, and man, uh, my son was was on his his son's team, and he was the coach of the team. So I got to know Dayton Moore right away uh, as a coach, as a person, you know, and how much fun and how much he loves baseball. He has a passion for the game. He's been in every position you can be in in the front office. He started out with John Scherholz in, uh, in uh, Atlanta. But, you know, he's built 
a wonderful uh, a tradition here. He's built a good program with some quality people working by him since 06. He's been here. And, you know, you're right. You got to build when you don't have a major money here. You got to build from within. And he's done it once and he's about ready to do it again. We're going to see another championship product here in a couple of years. But he has integrity. I played for so many different organizations in, in three different countries and for different people. And they would always say, hey, how's the family? But they didn't really mean it. Dayton Moore, the first time you see him and you haven't seen him in a while, he's going to say, oh, how's, how's the kids doing? How's everybody? He cares about family. He's a family man first. He understands the business takes you away from it. But, man, when he, when he talks, you listen. Why? Because of the integrity. He's a genuine human being. He's not going to pull your leg on anything. He's always honest. Doing radio interviews with him, my partner, Ryan Lefevre, does every day. He always tells me. I said, how would your meeting go with Dayton? He goes, Hud, he's, he's so transparent. He tells me everything. Anything I ask him, he shares. So you can't beat that type of transparency in a, in a game like this, in, in a business like baseball. When you treat people right, guess what? They respond, and we're going to win again here with him. You know what? I, I, I'm just thinking about how old we're getting. All those years I had you on when you were with the Angels, you've now been with the Royals for 10 years? Can you believe that? Hey, wow. the blessings, the blessings all to me and my family. I've raised them in the high school, high school here. My daughter went to KU and I get to work with a partner, Ryan Lefevre and Steve Fiziok and talk baseball with these guys nightly. It's so much fun. Yeah. Fizz is out here too. He came with me and uh, we're just really enjoying baseball and it's coming, man. I'm telling you the excitement that was here in 14 and 15 was off the charts and just, you know, didn't have to do much, much color commentating. I just pull back and rein in and, and just let the people watch the product, man. So we're getting to that stage again. But we're real excited to talk to you, bud. I really appreciate you uh, Let me uh, share with your audience today. Well, I, I got to tell you, I miss having you in division because uh, all those years you've been so good to us here with the Oakland A's and being a guy who who's from California, uh, you understand the A's, you understand Northern California. We've always appreciated your, appreciate your time. I wish we could have you more and we had with more games like back when you were at the Angels. But no matter what, we're always, you know, Steve Fiziak has come on. The Fizz has come on for years. We root for you guys. There's no question about that. Thank you, brother. Hey, we'll look forward to seeing you out there again. Just make sure you holler at me. Don't forget me. Take care, Hud, man. All right. See you, bud. I love that guy. It's genuine. It's real. Like how fired up he is, that's every day. That's every day, all day. And, yeah, I can't believe it's been 10 years. You know, Cody, you've been around now for a couple of years, but, I mean, I, I, I had him – on all my shows for years, uh, he and Steve Fizia. I, I, I sat one year underneath the, you know, those big helmets they have in Anaheim. Yes. As, as a, one of the ballparks I've been to. Yes. I know that. I know that spot. I did an interview with Steve Fiziok from under one of those helmets. I can't even tell you what year that was. Uh, Fizz is a, Fizz is a really nice guy too. Uh, oh, he's a great guy. Great guy. He was like, I just got, done having breakfast with my daughter in Newport. I was like, these guys are living the dream. Yeah, just like they were living the dream back in the day. Just, just like, won the World Series. It's Orange County. People don't realize, like, like Orange County, if you can live like in Newport or Huntington or or you'd be like the great Mickey Morbido live in Manhattan Beach in Los Angeles, it's a good lifestyle. Just saying. I grew up in the Midwest, according to everyone. So I don't, I don't you, know what that means. You, you grew up in Pittsburgh. 
All I know is the Steelers are 1-0 and Dave Cavill's Browns are 0-1. So, oh, uh, do not go there. I don't know. Do not go against our president. I don't know. I get, when I see Dave next, I'll be like, oh, so, uh, 0-1, humbled by the uh, – I did not see that game, but it looked amazing. It was a good game. It, it really was. Uh, by the way, hey, um, what happened last night? Uh, are you talking about in the Raider game? The greatness of the Raiders. Uh, the the best thing that happened in the game last night. I, I wanted. I've been wanting to play this. So I'm playing it. Here's Gruden after the game. Felt like I died and and woke up and died again. And I was like a cat. I had multiple lives tonight. I don't like playing like that. It was um, um, tough. But um, again, we we did a lot of really good things to win that football game tonight. Oh, that's that was I, such a great, I, <laughs> so great. I can tell you, as someone who traveled with him, talked with him all the time, and did his weekly television show, that's who he is. It's not an act. Gruden is a, is a, there's no one like him. I never met anybody like him. And he says stuff like that, and it's hilarious. You should have seen. All right, so we had this whole set in Alameda, Silver and Black Productions. He would come in every, it it didn't matter what was going on. He was always angry. He was always angry. And he'd be mad about something. Will Kiss, who you saw next to him, the head PR guy for the Raiders, uh, was there last night. Gruden would come in. We'd we'd put the mic. He'd be he'd be angry about something, and usually when we got him, it was when he had got the you know when they turn in all the the plays to the NFL and the NFL goes oh yeah sorry we missed X amount of plays, and then you'd put the microphone on him and I'd start the show and he went into being John Gruden. It's so real. The greatness. That is the Raiders at one and zero. It was great. It was a great. I, I know people probably don't care, but uh, as as one of the few Derek Carr fans, as one of the only people that supports Derek Carr, because I think we're living and dying with number four. I, I, I'm not even a Raider fan, but I don't hate the Raiders either, like a lot of people do. Um, I think Derek gets so much disrespect. Wait, for, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? A lot of people hate the Raiders? What are you talking about? Uh, there are a lot of people who don't like the Raiders. A global brand. Let me tell you, I've traveled the world with the Raiders. It's a global brand. And, and you know, the, the thing I'll never understand about Derek, and I'll get to this before we get, real quick before we get to Bob Nightingale. The thing I'll never understand about Derek is the, the slander towards Derek Carr is we, we treat him like he's not a good quarterback, but we praise Matthew Stafford for being the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. What has Matthew Stafford ever won? Nothing. I have, I'm trying to go back. I was sending it to my buddies last night what his number is or his numbers are. Stafford, he's like eight and sixty-seven versus teams that finish the season with a winning record in his career. The guy can't beat anybody. Yeah, you can beat a bunch of nobodies in your division, but I mean, come on. Derek beat a playoff team last night, and everyone said, "Well, he stinks." He is. If, if Derek Carr does not get hurt on Christmas Eve, the Raiders had a chance to win the Super Bowl. Well, they were really good. I was at that game. They were good. They had a chance against the Indianapolis Colts. Derek Carr goes down, was literally one of the toughest post-game shows I've ever had to do, mixed in with some A's post-game shows that have been tough, especially back-to-back years against Detroit. 
you realize the one, what was it, 2012, Bob Melvin calls into my postgame show. People talked about they pulled over and were crying on the road. Bob Melvin called in to the postgame show in 2012 to thank the fans. Name me how many managers in the history of the game called in. I didn't ask him to call in. He just called in. He was listening and called in to say thank you. I'll never forget that postgame show, and I'll never forget, uh, you know, the Warriors when they won the championships. Those were cool. And watching, the, you know, the all the stuff come down from the ceiling, and they've won the championship. And it's like, yeah, this is re- I mean, I'm a part of something that's really, really cool. Right? The Warriors have won the championship. And I will never forget that postgame show that I did for the Raiders. It was Christmas Eve. Yep. My, yep. My, bro- my brother and my nephew were with me. And I remember walking in my house Christmas Eve saying, because this was one of the great seasons, right? The Raiders had, they had the record. It was like seven or eight comeback wins all in the fourth quarter. It was just, it was an unbelievable year. And I remember walking in, looking at my wife going, season's over. Because once your quarterback goes down, as, as much as you wanted McGloin. Penn, Penn, Penn State's own baby. But uh, then he gets hurt, and you're like, oh, boy. Uh, and then it's Connor Cook starting the playoff game versus Houston. It's like, Connor oh. Cook. Can I give you a story about Connor Cook? Do we have time? Yeah, but uh, night goes only like 12 and a half minutes, so we got time. All right, Connor Cook. This was a couple of years ago. So I ripped Connor Cook because he was a not a great guy. XFL legend. Connor Cook and I reunite in Cincinnati. And he's with his beautiful, I think they're now married. She doesn't like me. So I'm with all the Raider people. And Connor Cook knows exactly who I am. He's now a bingle. He knows exactly, she knows exactly who I am. It was so uncomfortable because all the guys like, oh, Connor, you know, because I would travel, I would hang out with all the guys that were like, you know, doctors and therapists and these guys were all around the same age and they knew him and loved him. And he knew I was the guy that didn't like him because I know all about it. And we're in this restaurant in Cincinnati. This is right before COVID. And Connor Cook and his, I think she was his fiance at the time. We're not happy to see Chris Townsend. Let's just say that. Uh, real quick before we get to Bob, um, do you think Melvin called you from the side of the road in his red Porsche? As we found out, Rex Hudler. We, we are going to get into that this week. The HUD man outed Bob in minor league baseball. You had a Porsche. You weren't a bonus baby. He was first round though. He was supplemental first round, though. How did you have a Porsche? He grew up in the Menlo area. That's I wouldn't call that a uh, tough I, living. I, <laughs> I, I do think Bob came from a little money, but uh, we're, we're going to have to say, seriously, you had a Porsche in the minor leagues? Yeah, I'll, I'll get that. Make sure you guys have it for this weekend. Oh, I cannot. I cannot wait. Uh, do you want to break or just go to the Hudman? I mean, go to uh, Bob Nightingale. Go to Bob because he's almost, yeah, he's uh, just intro. He's 12 and a half minutes. We're going to warn you, the audio isn't the greatest. It's coming from a New York airport. 
But here is Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Chris. How was the uh, series there, the uh, Subway Series in New York? Yeah, really, really good. Well done, too, on the Mets part with the uh, uh, commemoration on Saturday night of 9-11. Uh, you know, had all the first responders in the field. Had about 14 guys back from the uh, 2001 Mets team, including Piazza, who flew in from Italy. So, you know, then Sunday got spiced up with the uh, base-clearing incident. So, yeah, it was a, it was a uh, good series. You know, when I think about uh, remembering 9-11, you know, so many of us worked on that day in baseball. And uh, you know, I was doing a morning at the time when it happened. And just to think what baseball did for our country, bringing us back and giving us some just reflect on what the 9-11 meant, and then now to be back to the that Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, the people still talk in New York, like, that's the greatest moment to remember is Piazza hitting that home run against Atlanta in the first quarter but back in uh, New York City in uh, just in reverence. I mean, Piazza will always be a hero. It was a regular season game, so it'll never be uh, forgotten. And they, uh, yeah, I was in San Diego at the time doing a Tony Gwynn story. And uh, so obviously the week of uh, games got canceled. I went to Gwynn's house, did the story, and stayed there. So, you know what, the San Francisco Giants are coming in next. Uh, well, I'll go to San Francisco uh, and watch the Barry Bonds watch. Bonds uh, hit two home runs that last day. They say, well, just stick with it. And I didn't get home uh, for another seven weeks because then the playoffs started. So I was, uh, I, I saw all of Bonds, uh, you know, from uh, 63 on. Uh, so, yeah, 10 home runs. Yeah, people forget about that time that Barry Bonds was now going for the home run record and had, it, and had to shut it down. And the uh, the Giants were in Houston at the time. But a lot of people forget about that, what Perry did during, obviously, these tragic times. Yeah, people were kind of transfixed on, uh, okay, let's see what's going to happen here. And people knew that of all the records, Pierce Bonds, he was at, uh, you know, 63 home runs when the uh, 9-11 attacks hit. And then uh, then just took off. The, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you get, you know, two one day, then nothing. I think the last game before the... Uh, the games are shut down. He hit three home runs in Colorado. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, a fun to watch. I mean, if he had got pitches to hit, if people had actually pitched to him, I swear you, Chris, you would have had over 90 home runs easily. Well, and, and you know, we just had Tony LaRusse in town, and we were talking about the 20th anniversary of the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, 1998 and how that basically saved baseball in a lot of ways. Just talk about what it was like to cover that at that time, because it was like a magic time in our game. Yeah. It was. That was the best thing uh, I've ever covered. It was a uh, fabulous. I was mostly watching McGuire's games, and not, so it's almost like you had to pick one. And of course, McGuire was always ahead. So I was at pretty much all his games in September. In that moment when he hit the home run to uh, pass up Roger Maris, you know, I still get goosebumps. I mean, guys are crying in the uh, in the press box over that. Uh, it was just so emotional. Then to see him hugging the Maris family and the uh, you know the sons, uh, you know, the, the crowd going crazy uh, for just for one moment, you know, especially a regular season game. That was by far the coolest thing I've ever covered. Yeah, I, I, I think about that time when, 
those guys are changing baseball forever. We had Mark McGuire on when he became an A's Hall of Famer. Talks about how people to this day still come up to him and thank him for saving baseball. And I think about your great career, the fact that you say that's the coolest thing you ever covered in your career is truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember you know, some great post-season moments, obviously, but just, you know, regular season, just the individual accomplishment. Uh, man, it was unbelievable. I remember going to the field the next day, I'd do some kind of a TV thing and even grabbing some piece of grass. <laughs> I don't know where that is now. Sort of thrown away. But it was, it was just that cool to be part of. You know, when you look at the American League standings right now, and obviously the A's are still in this thing, but just talked about how there there are teams that are all bunched up, and we got five teams vying for two spots. Yeah, you know, I mean, Yankees just pulled one out yesterday against the Twins. Uh, tell you what, Toronto's got one spot. Uh, it's unbelievable what they have done. And they're going to be scary. They may be the team to beat next year. I don't think they're going to win the World Series this year. But I'm convinced they'll have the, uh, they'll be the number one seed uh, in the AL wild card. And I, you know, I really think realistically it comes down to the Yankees and Mets. Uh, you know, the A's bullpen just collapsed. Uh, I mean, the Marte thing, they went for it. But, you know, if you're a A's fan or A's, A's player, you've got to be so incensed that all they had to do was keep Marcus Simeon, who was begging to stay. And then with Simeon hitting the two home runs against the A's, it's like, you know, that's what, the, that's what you get. I mean, the ownership, you know, went cheap. And, you know, uh, you know, could have given that same money to uh, the closers who got hurt, you know, and missed all year. Uh, so, you know, Rosenthal. So it, it's a shame. Yeah, but I think they're going to, I think they're going to fall short. Of course, they play Seattle seven times, so they'll knock each other off. I, I think it's Toronto's got one spot and then uh, probably the Yankees, although I don't just count the Red Sox. What 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 is it about these Toronto Blue Jays that all of a sudden they've gotten red hot and they're so tough to beat? Very tough to beat. They got a great great lineup and a fun lineup. They're, those guys are young. They're giving me a run, Chris. Uh, the pitching staff, you know, probably gonna get some more starters, you know, in the future. But you know, Robbie Ray, you know, signed a one-year eight million dollar contract, uh, and he's you know he might win the Cy Young this year, and just you know they're getting enough pitching. But, you know, when, you know, Guerrero, any other year, he'd be a slam dunk, uh, you know, MVP. And this guy still may win the triple crown, but just a great young lineup. You know, Springer's been hurt, but he's still, uh, you know, doing enough for these guys. And, uh, you know, and of course, a, uh, you know, Bijou's son and uh, Bichette. You know, it's a, a, a fun, fun team. And Simeon, Simeon's going to finish in the top five in MVP, if not top three or four. Yeah, what are we going to do with the MVP when you start looking at what Shohei Otani has done this year as a hitter, as a pitcher, but on a not very good team versus, you mentioned, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could win the Triple Crown. H- how do you, I mean, I don't have a vote, obviously, but you do. Like, like, like how, do you, how, how do you decide who should be the guy? You know, I think in years past, it would be Guerrero. I mean, when the... Uh... Uh, you know, if you take your team to the playoffs, you win a triple crown, there'll be, you know, no contest. But now I think voters go pretty much the best players and most valuable player. I'm not taking it away from Shohei Otani. I mean, historic year. But when we were giving the award to Mike Trout those years, and, you know, the Angels were same thing, were doing nothing. It's almost like you got to give to Otani uh, now as well. 
just because the uh, history of it. I mean, he did have a poor second half offensively, but pitched very well, you know, after the all-star break. So I, I think it's still Otani in a landslide, but it, it should not be unanimous. It really shouldn't. Wow. You just think about that. You're like, you're like a guy that's carried his team and helped his team get to the postseason versus a guy, like you said, I mean, Trout has been so great for all these years. And I think about what Shohei Otani is doing this year. How do we change this? Because obviously creating the Hank Aaron Award for the guy who is the best offensive player hasn't changed this. How do we change a guy that should be the MVP versus a guy who's just a really good offensive player on a team that's not very good? Yeah, and we got to you know, remind people, remind the voters, it's not best player. It's most viable. And you're not viable, I don't care what kind of year you had, if you don't take your team to playoffs. You know, now what Otani's doing historic, so it's a little different. But, you know, go, I, I go back to what Trout's done, the, you know, last few years, you know, that sort of thing. I'll give you an example, Chris. Right, you know, right now in the National League, right, you know, if uh, people vote, they're going to vote for Tatis. It's like, wait a minute now, the, the Padres have collapsed. He's done just okay. And uh, to me, the most valuable player is Brandon Crawford. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the offensive numbers, but you know, you know, tell you what, you take Crawford away from the Giants, they're not sitting in first place. I, I like how you put that. I mean, it is, it, it is what it is. I mean, there's no pressure playing on a team trying to win a championship and trying to win a division versus a guy that shows up to the yard every day, Bob, and there's no pressure because your team's not going to the playoffs, and it doesn't matter. You're just playing off the season. Oh, absolutely, Chris. I mean, I, you look at the trade deadline. Uh, I see a guy like Adam Frazier going from the Pirates to, to the Padres. Not that San Diego is a pressure cooker by any means, but now you've got some pressure being a pennant race. And, you know, you're not uh, you know, a last place team in Pittsburgh. And look what he's done. He's, you know, struggled big time. Uh, Andrew Haney from the uh, Yankees is, you know, gone belly up there. Joey Gallo, you know, putting with those numbers in Texas when you have know, nothing to play for. You know, now he's stunk in uh, New York, you know, striking on every other at bat. So it's a whole different thing when you have pressure and performance. Yeah, th there is no doubt about it. And, you know, when I think about these last few games, especially for the Oakland A's, just talk about what the, the pressure cooker that is trying to get in to a one-game wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun time, but it's pressure. It's a fun pressure. Uh, particularly for the A's, I mean, you know, kudos to front office for going forward and grabbing Marte. And, uh, you know, here, here's a guy you who know, was a, uh, you know, nothing going on in, in Miami. And look what he's done. I mean, he's been fabulous for uh, the A's. You know, that might have been, you know, outside Scherzer, the best, day, uh, you know, pick up by anybody. So, yeah, it's a fun pressure. And uh, it's funny, I was at the MLB office today, and I said, you know, there really hasn't been a big stunning upset. In a, in a one game wild card. You know, this, this could happen this year. But as I reminded those people, you know, hey, the, the A's had a, what it was, a three or four run lead against Kansas City that year. And they should have won that game. If the A's win that game, who knows? Maybe they win the World Series. If you could buy stock in one team right now, who would that team be? Because I'm going to buy because I'm going to buy a low when I think it's got the best upside. I'll go Milwaukee Brewers. I think the Brewers are as good as any team in baseball. People don't talk about it because it's a small market team. I, I'll go to Brewers. I think the Brewers are a fabulous team, and nobody ever talks about them. 
You know, and, and my producer, Commander Cody, he loves the Brewers. I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, this might be the one year we go into what, what doesn't it feel like, Bob, it's like a tournament. Like, whoever gets in is going to have a shot. They will. And they, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, the Giants are a team that, as good as they are, people never talking about them as having a shot. More of a, uh, a long-term team than a short-term team. But the Brewers are good. I and mean, when you have those three guys at the top of the rotation, and then you two guys with Hader and Williams in the back end, uh, and now Yelich is heating up. They're they're dangerous. Uh, I'll put them I'll put them against the Dodgers and Giants any day. Hey, great stuff as always. We appreciate having you on the program. Have a safe flight back from New York, and let's talk when we get into the postseason. All right, look forward to it, Chris. Take care of yourself. Yeah, that was really special when you think about the the Mets and the and the Yankees and September 11th and having that series when they did. There was no question; it was special, and. You know, we'll never forget. And a lot of us who were in this business at that time, uh, what it was like. You know, we asked Vince Catroni. Vince was talking about the Rangers when he was working for the Rangers. We're in San Francisco. I was doing a morning show on KNBR at the time. And I actually watched the second plane hit the second tower live. And two minutes later, had to go on air going, we're being attacked. It was a crazy time. So great to have Bob on and to talk about uh, what they did in New York and the Yankees and the Mets. And also, you know, looking at where we are, Cody, with, with the wild card. I mean, you can look at the, the division for the A's is still in play, right? That's a reality. And that's because you got so many games against Houston. But that 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 one wild card spot, whether you're the top or you're the bottom, is there for five different teams right now. Yeah, and they're all separated by two and a half games or less, which is just wild. Just like the National League, it's the same way. And you know, we saw the Giants, as Bob mentioned, they clinched a playoff spot yesterday. And uh, it's just uh, they brought a graphic up earlier, and I don't mean to go on about the Giants, but they this this team they have right now, this war the war they have. Is the third is the third highest WAR in baseball right now? Team rank, it's the best among their the three teams they won the World Series with. This is the best WAR among those teams is this year. We will get into this once we get into postseason time. They are going to be, mark my words, one of the best, most disappointing teams in postseason history. Ooh, shots fired. Shots fired. And, and 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 I'm not doing that because just because I'm the A's guy, it's the Giants. You wait. The way they're built, the way they win, and how that works in the postseason will be judged by someone like me. Well, they uh they better Okay, for- you're miss you are an analytics guy. No, I, I no, I'm not disagreeing with you because they need to they find they are built. They are built. Farhan, Gabe Kapler. They're built on analytics. How will that work in the postseason? Well, what, what they need to figure out is starting pitching. Uh, they can't bullpen their way to a World Series. They, they, they've been doing that for the last few weeks. Home they, runs are bust? Uh, that's essentially what they've been doing. And, I mean, they're banking on all these guys in their lineup. To ha- they're all having like, – no one's having a down year for them, which is unbelievable. All of a sudden, I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to get into the postseason. Pressure's on. Pitching's the best. 
which I don't even think is the best. I mean, I don't even know how to quantify that anymore. Like, I really don't have – I don't know how to quantify pitching anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm, I'm taking the Brewers. Still, Ooh. that's still my team in the National League. I don't think they're winning either. Well, my team in the National League stinks, so I'll, I'll take the team. I'll take a team from their division. <laughs> but these teams that are built, as we saw with Moneyball, you're built to win in the regular season. Does it work in the postseason? They're going to be very fascinating because teams are going to try. If because they're, teams not are- fat, they're not fast, they don't have athleticism. They don't generate runs other than the long ball. Like, you start looking at what the Giants are built on. Like, completely opposite of what you'd say, like, you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, where they're, they're like, electric. I mean, these guys, they're, I mean, hell, with Vlad losing weight, he can run. So, it'll be, the, the playoffs will be very interesting. I think there's no question. I agree. Um, uh, we'll spoke, you know, we still got a couple more weeks till we get there, but the Giants are the first team to clinch, and people are still going. Well, the Dodgers are going to win the NL, the NL West. The Dodgers. Right. Let's let's I don't see. Know if I'm on that, uh, I, I don't. I know we're I know we're out of time, but can't wait to text. Are we out of time. Can't wait, we out of time. Can't wait to text your brother and say, "Hey, what happened to your Padres? Huh? Thought they were going to be better than the Dodgers." Does but, he owe you money? Uh, I don't think we put money on it, but I think it was. A beer bet or something, but it doesn't matter. He said the Padres are going to be better than the Dodgers. They might not even finish five hundred. But yet they're aren't they're the second wild card right now. Uh, the Reds are. The Reds are. The Reds are. Yeah. Did but that flip overnight? It's a half game, I thought. And the Reds are losing to the Pirates right now. According to my standings, the Padres are seventy-four and sixty-eight, and the Reds are seventy-five. And 69. They're in a virtual tie uh, at 521 winning percentage. My phone on MLB app has the Reds at 75 and 69 and 74 and 69. So the Reds have it right Did now. Did the Padres lose today? No, they lost yesterday to the Giants. Ooh, I might be a day behind in my standings. What is the date today? The 13th? Today's the 14th. So you are a day behind. The 14th? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Reds, baby. The Red Legs are right there. Ooh. But they're losing. Yeah, they're half- but you know what? Cardinals are a half game. Kevin Franzen and the Phillies are still alive at two and a half. The and Met- the Mets, yeah, the Mets at are three and a half. Yeah, Mets are still there somehow. I don't know. We'll see. All right. All right. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. And the A's, two and a half games back. Uh, the way to phrase this for tomorrow Top 10 dominant strikeout seasons in Oakland A's history is what we're doing with Feldy. I'm going Vita Blue number one. Well, he did have 300 innings that year. (laughs) I'm going Vita Blue. What year was that, 72 or 73? Was it the year I was born? Oh, no, no, it's been 71. It was the year he won the Cy Young and the MVP. That was 71, right? I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, he had uh, had 300 and uh, 301 strikeouts and 312 innings. I'm going Vita Blue number one, even though none of us were alive. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the list is like tomorrow. All right. I'm back when? In five minutes. In five minutes on A's Total Access. Great job, Cody. We'll we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Well, who's who's A's Total Access brought to you by? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola Winery. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. 
This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.